0: gather together as the church, as the body of Christ, that we can come and we can worship God and we can open our hearts to God and we can open the word of God and we can continue to lay a foundation in growing Christ that week after week that we can become all God wants us to be. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing that we are here together as the church, as the body of Christ you have no idea how precious the person sitting next to you is in God's sight. In fact, you ought to say to the person next to you, you are precious in God's sight. Yeah. How many here feel a little better after saying that? <laughs> because that's exactly, that's exactly what you are. You have been redeemed. You have been purchased by Jesus Christ for his own. You are precious in his sight. Well, gosh, I remember, I remember that song that uh, Chris sang um, in the early days of the vineyard in the in 1980s, three, four thousand people just the roof coming off. And you know there's certain songs that keep an anointing. There's some songs that last for a while, and you sing them and they're glorious songs, and they kind of like the anointing kind of fades, but that little That little verse right there, the anointing on that just stayed and stayed and stayed, and I love singing it. All right. Well, every Tuesday morning, our pastoral staff gathers in the upper room, and uh, each uh, one of the pastors shares about how their week went, and then we pray for each other. Now. I have begun the past couple of months because of Little League season. I have been bragging about my nine-year-old grandson, Dylan, during my report. I like bragging about my kids and my grandkids. So Dylan's team is sponsored by Tuvalu, that cool store down there on Forest and, and Glenary. I like going into that store. And so so I will oftentimes begin my sharing was something like this. Uh, On Saturday, Tuvalu defeated Javier's Restaurant 17-11. to (laughs) And Dylan Grant went three for four, drove in two runs, scored three runs himself, had two doubles, fielded his position flawlessly, and pitched one good inning. He had one fantastic game. So that's how I start my sharing. That's what was important (laughs) to me for the week. But isn't that human nature for us to brag about our kids and our grandkids. And I guess if we were honest, isn't it human nature that we, we like to hear people say uh, nice things about us? How many here like to have somebody say something nice to you? Yeah, I, I said something nice a minute ago. You're all precious in God's sight. Like, a, like I have a job. I have a job. I have two, two jobs every time I speak. I have two jobs. One is... I get to brag about God. I love bragging about God because the world brags about everything else. And then my other job is that when you walk out of here, you feel encouraged by God. Because I know some of you have walked in here and you've had a tough week. It's been a hard week. And you're dealing with things and, and there's battles going on and you come in here weary and tired and burdened and heavy laden. And the Holy Spirit has this wonderful way about him of encouraging you and building you up. Like when you worship God, you can feel oftentimes when you really worship God, the heaviness lift. And as you study the word of God, you know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. That the word of God strengthens our spirit and our soul. And we're able to leave here uh, feeling encouraged. So human nature has about it this 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 desire, not necessarily good. This desire that we be well thought of, and people speak about us, and maybe we see our name in the newspaper. And I was watching the NBA playoffs this past few days, and and the need to be recognized during the game was pretty evident. You know when somebody Makes a good play, you know. They pound their chest real hard, or they tell the crowd to cheer some more, you know, because they love the uh, adulation. And I'm the first to admit, I'm the first to admit that I, I like, I like people to like me. I like people to say good things about me, and and uh, that's that's uh, something that I think all of us enjoy. Now we've been studying the Gospel of Luke for uh, eight and a half chapters. Since last January, we've been studying the Gospel of Luke. And not once, not for a moment, has Jesus ever boasted or bragged about himself. Even though he has, wow, every reason to boast or brag. I mean, he's raised two people from the dead. He's quieted a raging storm on the sea. He has delivered people of of demons. He's fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fish. If anybody has a reason to boast or brag, Jesus does. But see, he comes with a heart and an attitude of a servant. In fact, when he performs miracles, he most often says to those receiving the miracles, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Now, how many here could raise somebody from the dead and tell whoever is present, shh, don't tell anybody. I just raised somebody from the dead. Shoot, we'd all be like... Walking with banners down the middle of Laguna. Probably, well, not really, but. So, Jesus is the uh, ultimate servant. And if you could put our first verse up this morning, up here on our PowerPoint, it's from uh, Philippians, chapter two, verses five to eight. We are encouraged that we would have, uh, the same attitude that's in Christ Jesus, as He had. And this is the wonderful kenosis passage that theologians endlessly talk about of Jesus as God becoming man. And so this is the text that uh, we pour over and try to understand Jesus was God, he became man. What does that mean? So Philippians says, have this attitude which was in Christ Jesus, who though he always existed as God and was equal with God, did not cling to his position nor his glory, but emptied himself, becoming a man and taking the form of a bondservant. Further, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, uh, even death on a cross. So this was the attitude Jesus carried coming to the earth as a servant. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. But this morning... For the very first time, we are going to have a glimpse, kind of a peek into the glory that Jesus had upon him before he left heaven and came to earth. And our passage today from Luke chapter 9 is the passage on the transfiguration of Jesus uh, being uh, changed for a few moments into the glory that he experienced before he left heaven and came to the earth. A metamorphosis uh, took place in him for a few minutes. Um, Let me say, all, you're welcome to take pictures of the, I have a lot of PowerPoint today, but all of the PowerPoint will be on our website if you want to look into the notes uh, further. The glory of the transfiguration, Luke 9, 28-36, is our passage today. And I've gleaned a couple of things from Matthew 17, which has the exact same story. And what we're speaking about this morning is the glory, the doxa, the glory of God. We are, we're going to peer in the glory of God. We want to understand the glory of God. We want to know what the glory of God is, because that glory is for us also. So here's our text, The Glory of the Transfiguration, Jesus Shines Like the Sun. This is really some beautiful language, by the way, that's uh, here in our passage. Uh, Chapter 9, verses 28 to 36, in the Gospel of Luke. Then about eight days later, Jesus went up a mountain to pray, taking with him Peter, James, and John, And as he was praying, he was transfigured and his face shone like the sun and his clothing became dazzling white like the brilliance of lightning. And suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, who were likewise appearing in splendor and glory were conversing with him about his coming death which was to take place in Jerusalem. Now, Peter, James, and John had fallen asleep. It's almost embarrassing uh, to read that sentence right there. But as they woke, they beheld the glory and majesty of Jesus, Moses and Elijah. And as Moses and Elijah were about to depart, Peter blurted out, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah And this is the most embarrassing part of the entire New Testament. The Holy Spirit points out that Peter didn't really know what he was saying at all. (laughs) Oh dear. And while Peter was speaking, a cloud overshadowed them, and as the cloud descended and enveloped them, they were seized with terror. And then came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, Listen to him. And I put in parentheses the word listen in the Greek literally means to yield also and to obey. And when the voice faded, Jesus stood there alone. And the three disciples were silent and would tell no one what they had seen. All right, uh, Robbie, if you go back to the first section, thank you, Um, let's look a little closer At this passage Jesus went up To a mountain To pray Like stunning words And I don't think It's enough For me to say That Jesus found prayer important And I don't think it's enough To say that Jesus Prayed all the time And I don't think it's enough to say Well because Jesus prayed How much more do you and I need to pray, but Jesus is experiencing a a positive desperation in prayer, he understands like no one understands what prayer can do, did you know, do you know that when you pray the possibilities are endless that God can do in your life? They are endless. And that prayer, and Jesus knew this, is what deeply connected him to his Father. And that when you pray, what we read in this passage takes place, often takes place. God speaks to you as the Father spoke to Jesus. The glory of God can be revealed. I have had the glory of God revealed as I have been praying before God and seeking his face God's glory has come. And when God's glory comes, you are never the same again. When the presence of the Lord comes in a tangible, real way, you are never, ever the same again. And that's what prayer can do for you. Prayer is the place where God can change the world. Prayer is the place where God can change your life. Prayer is the place where God can change your kids. Prayer is the place where God can change your church. Prayer is the place where God can change the city. Prayer is the place where God can completely redirect your life. Prayer is the place of finding God on a heart level. Jesus prayed all the time because he was in a foreign place, this earth, a place that was rebellious to God and had gone its own way in a world in which we also live in the same kind of culture, a world that has turned its back on God in so many different ways. And Jesus knew the way he was going to get through was to keep pressing into God. And I want to to encourage you this morning, those of you who are tired, who are weary. I want to encourage those of you this morning who are fighting to stay in there with God. I want to encourage those of you who are feeling a little hopeless and that your prayers have not been answered, don't give up. Don't give up. Come before God, like Jesus, going up that mountain. Maybe you could find a place. Maybe your mountain is somewhere where you can just have some time alone with God, and you can come before God and enjoy His presence and find God in fresh and new ways. And Satan will do anything and everything Possible to stop you from praying. Did you know that? Jesus goes up the mountain. For one thing, he wanted to be more alone than he was at the bottom of the mountain. But do you know that the enemy will do anything and everything to stop you from praying? You want to know why? Because prayer paralyzes the works of the enemy. Prayer stymies what the enemy wants to do in your life. Jesus said the enemy wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy Wants to rob you. He's after you. He prowls about like a roaring lion, says Peter in his first epistle, chapter 5, verse 8. He prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And prayer is what strengthens you. Prayer is what keeps you focused on God. And prayer is what paralyzes, it takes out the schemes and the plans of the enemy to mess you up. How many of you have been messed up by the enemy before? <laughs> Here I am. So, big encouragement this morning is for you to pray. And you may say, well, I don't think God's going to send his glory like he did here, and I don't think God's going to speak to me like he spoke, this is my chosen son, this is my beloved one. But you don't know what God's going to... God's spoken to many of you. You may not have even realized it. God speaks to you. He's interested in a relationship. It grows and and changes. So Jesus is praying, and as he's praying, uh, this metamorphosis takes place. He's changed. The glory of heaven uh, falls upon him, and he, in this beautifully descriptive section here, his face shone like the sun, and his clothing became dazzling white, like the brilliance of lightning. Now notice uh, notice the description here that Jesus' face shone like the sun. It wasn't the sun, but it was like the sun. And his clothing became dazzling white, like the brilliance of lightning. Does this passage... Ring a bell. Does it remind you of any other passage in the New Testament? Where, what, what other passage in the New Testament has a description like this? Revelation chapter 1. In that astonishing uh, book and book to our New Testament in Revelation, John sees one standing in glory in the first chapter and he describes him. If I could have the next. Uh, PowerPoint here, Revelation chapter 1, John's vision of Jesus, we see somewhat of the same language. His head and hair were like white, like white wool, like snow, and his eyes flashed like a flame of fire, and his feet were like burnished bronze when it had been caused to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters, and his right hand were seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was shining like the sun in full power. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. And I think, like, if there's any great need in our church, it's the fear of the Lord, this sense of God's majesty, the sense of God's holiness, the sense of God's glory, that that affects us to the point that we want to walk with God. We want to walk with God because he is so glorious and he is so wonderful. And I'm just going to repeat what I said the last time that I spoke. and That is, you and I have one solitary life to live. We have one life to live. Let us live that life, walking with God in deep reverence. For the one who's described like this, this one who is gloriously brilliant In all his ways, this is the resurrected Christ who has ascended to heaven and John sees him as one whose eyes flash like a flame of fire and whose uh, feet have been uh, glowing as if they've been in a furnace. Just astonishing language speaking to us about the wonder of God. So, Robbie, if you can go back now to... Yes, right there. So, as Jesus is experiencing this transfiguration, suddenly Moses and Elijah appear with him. And they also are are coming in that same glory. They appear in splendor and glory. And we see something very interesting. They didn't just come... So that the three disciples might have seen them, but they came and actually had a conversation with Jesus. And not only did they have a conversation with Jesus, that we're told they had a conversation with Jesus, but we, we, we have a view of what they were talking about. And we're told that Moses and Elijah, Moses representing the law and Elijah the prophets, they were speaking to him about his coming death, was, which was to take place... In Jerusalem, And I think that is so moving and so touching. Jesus goes to pray and he's starting to struggle right now. Jesus is starting to struggle with the view of the cross now. He just said in Jeff's teaching last week, uh, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised again. He's starting to feel the pressure of the cross coming. And he's praying, and the father sends Moses and Elijah. And why do you think the Father sent Moses and Elijah? Because I believe that they encouraged Jesus. They encouraged him. He's feeling like this is uh, he's starting to understand this thing's like this is not that far away now. I'm gonna I'm gonna die on a cross soon. And I'm gonna carry the weight of the whole world, and I'm gonna not only that. I'm not only going to just pay, pay for sin, I'm going to become sin. Corinthians says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the very righteousness of God. And this is creeping up on Jesus and the Father sends Moses and Elijah to encourage him. And I want to encourage you uh, this morning that if you see down the road a, a tough place that you're headed for, if you're not, if you're wondering what God is doing, if you're struggling with, with life, call out to God, and He'll send you, in His own way, a Moses, or an Elijah, to speak to you, to encourage you. I could just pick out, I could just pick out a, a whole bunch of you. Dale Gear, you've, you've encouraged me so many times, like, uh, Moses and Elijah encouraged Jesus. I can't tell you. Steve Krantz, the same thing. So many times. Diane, so many times. Jamie, your emails like, are so important to me. Linda and Ken, you guys coming on Saturday, I'm encouraged every time you walk through the door. Mark and Sally, you've been like stalwarts in this church. It's totally unbelievable what you have done and all your labor and love. God has brought Greg to our church and all of you, all of you but what you do, what we do for each other is just like what Moses and Elijah is are doing for Jesus. We walk through this battle in life, we walk through living this life and you can't do it by yourself. you need we need each other. I desperately need you. I, I might stand up for you and go, oh, Jay's kind of got it all together. Look at, it, I'm just trying not to be a Pharisee most of the time. <laughs> honestly like i'm I'm trying. Not to be a self righteous, like think I know it all and all that. Like, I just realized I don't know anything. The older I get, I don't know anything except God loves me and keeps forgiving me and keeps giving me more chances. And I keep being able to come up here once in a while and encourage you. So I guess God's not quite done with me yet. But we're here to encourage one another and help one another. And so many of you have helped me. You may not even have known it. Just uh, you sent me a text or an email, or you put a hand on my shoulder, you know, and said you cared. This is what the church is. It's a family of believers, and we we stand with each other. It's what a husband's to do for a wife. It's what a wife to do for a husband. It's what friends do for each other. We stand in the gap. We hold each other's arms up. We tell you, hey, I care. I think this is what I love about Little Church by the Sea. Because well, somebody said during coffee after the first service, I don't see many masks at this church. Hey, you know churches full of people who wear masks? I've worn masks so many times that you can hardly believe it. But all the masks are, 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 there's so many masks that are off here. And we're just real and we're just ourselves. We're Little Church by the Sea, full of people who are fighting the good fight and seeking to stay the course and trying to keep the faith. And we're helping each other through all of this. And, and sometimes we just barely feel like we, we're hanging on. Anybody ever experienced that? You just feel like you're just barely hanging on? Huh? Yeah, I was I, I was feeling like I was barely hanging on last week. And I have to get up here and preach like everything's together. I was barely hanging on. Not that my faith was that week, but I was just going like, God, it's just like insanity out there. It's just crazy what's going on, what I'm dealing with, the... the Like the the problems, like every Monday night, I'm praying over people. You know, half-hour prayer appointments. Three, four, five people come in every Monday night, and just, just tough stuff. We're a church that wants to be here for your tough stuff. I want to help you, because as we help you, you help us. Yeah, I look at uh, on your faces, and it's a beautiful thing when I'm seeing how God has grown you. Like we watch the fifth graders. Did you feel like something about the, fifth, like the kids? I mean, it felt like family. It's, it's, it is family. These kids growing up here, Toby seeing them when they were in kindergarten and they move across here and now they're going to be moving into sixth grade. Or It's just, you can hardly believe it, just how fast all these things go and, and we're here to watch each other and help each other and stand with each other and be there for each other. It's the church. Nothing's more important than love. It's the single most important thing so far, but anything else you can't believe it, that we love God and we love each other. We find each other, relationships build. We're encouraged in the word. We worship God and God changes us and become more like Jesus. So Moses and Elijah encouraged Jesus. Um, uh, let's go to the, to the next text here. Verse uh, 32. Uh, Peter, James, and John uh, beheld the glory and majesty of Jesus. So I want to talk about, like, the theme of this message. The theme of this, I texted Chris last night and said, my theme is the glory of God. My, My dream this morning is that you will catch the wind of the Holy Spirit, that the glory of God would be yours today. What is the glory of God? How would you describe the glory of God? What we saw Jesus' face shone like the sun. But I've written a description. Robbie, if you can put up my description of glory. I take this out of all the places where... Take this out of all the places where in the Old and New Testament, God's glory has shown and showed up. And This is my description of the glory of God. Glory is the indescribable Wonder and awe of God And may I direct your gaze To that one word, indescribable I I cannot describe to you In the right language, right words What the glory and wonder of God is And the awesomeness of God Glory is God's matchless perfection God is completely perfect It's incapable that God would ever make a mistake Ever have an error God cannot do that. He has matchless perfection. Glory is the majestic splendor of God's very being, his transcendence and his preeminence. Glory is God's magnificence, his excellence, his radiance. God's glory is seen in the brilliance and brightness of the sun, in mighty mountains, in the beauty of animals, in the surging power of the ocean, in the sweeping vastness of the universe, Everywhere there is something beautiful, there is the glory of God. And before I read this last sentence, I just want to quote to you the verse from Isaiah, where Isaiah sees heaven, and he hears angels crying out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of God's glory. And we see that glory here on earth. In fact, I'm going to show you some pictures in just a minute. But I want you to understand that the glory of God that we see on this earth pales in comparison with the glory of God in the heavenly realm. All of the glory of this earth is but a drop in the ocean compared to the glory that we are going to be entering into in the very presence of God in the heavenly realm. All of the glory of God. And There's some beauty here on this earth. But it's just a fragment of what we're going to experience in heaven. Now, So the last sentence here, know this, the glory of God that we see on this earth pales in comparison with the glory of God uh, in the heavenly realm. And the beauty that we see in the universe and that we see here on earth really is something. I've just chosen a few photos that I wanna put up that you can see the glory of this earth. And we're just gonna put every uh, photo up here. This is what we see sometimes here on earth, the universe, you can just go ahead, Better be three or four seconds, Robbie, just put up the next photo. Like th- this, is, this is the astonishment of God. This is, the, this is the wonder of God creating all of this. We have no idea, we cannot understand the awesomeness of God and being able to not only create this, but keep it together. And the colors and the wonders and the rhythms and all that God does... In the glory of this earth, but it still all pales. It all pales. So this is the, uh, pictures of the uh, universe. Go ahead to the next one, and then um, this tree. I just picked. It, I picked out a few photos here, just of the glory of this earth. It all pales in in comparison, but it's so it's so beautiful. But I can you can taste. This is well, this is clouds over a volcano right there. If you wonder how that picture came to being. This is the beauty of a horse that God created. This is a picture Greg Sol took from our church, back of our church. And that's Mary Herbert's photo of Heisler Park with the, look at those birds that God has created. Lightning and fire and volcano. and <clears throat> The beauty of those flowers. And wait till this one... That guy, I just see the glory of God. I saw, found this picture, and I looked at that kid, and I see the glory of God as much as I do in any of those other photos. Look at his, look at his little stick that he blew the bubble out of. It's just a stick, not even a plastic thing, you know. It's a stick, and I see the beauty of God, I see the wonder of God in this little guy. Makes my heart pound. It's why I go overseas and reach out to the poor. It's why Sam's in Mozambique, because of kids like him. They're all over the place, and they're desperate to be loved and cared for. They're everywhere. If you have eyes to see, you see the glory of God in them. You go to the, where the poor are, and you see the glory of God. Sitting in front of a church, a kid playing jacks with pieces of gravel, because that's all they can afford. The wonder of God, the beauty of God. This is God. This is what the Lord has done for us here, is like I said, is just a shadow of what God is going to do for us and what we're going to see. Okay, uh, Rob, you can go back to uh, the text. Somewhere it's going to be back there. <laughs> okay, so Peter, James, and John. Fell asleep, and this is what you do in prayer meetings, you guys. Did you know that you go to a prayer meeting and fall asleep? <laughs> right. If you don't have a revelation of prayer, if you don't understand what prayer really can do, if you don't think prayer is a place of endless possibilities, then you go, oh, it's a church meeting. I'm going to go to the, to the prayer meeting, and you don't get what's going on, so you just nod off, you go to sleep. I've seen it all. I've seen it many times. People just fall asleep. So they fall asleep <laughs> because they're Peter, James, and John. And guess what? At the most crucial time of Jesus' life, they fell asleep again in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter, James, and John fell asleep. Jesus said, couldn't you just stay with me for an hour and pray with me? <laughs> Whoa, Peter wakes up. Whoa, let's uh, make a tabernacle for every one of you. Let's uh, make a little altar. Whoa, look at what we see. And the father just says, this is so stupid, he just suddenly, abruptly cuts them off. While Peter is speaking, a cloud overshadowed them. (laughs) It's a cloud of glory overshadows them. And Peter's going, I think I'll stop talking right now. And the cloud descended, this cloud of glory, it envelops them, and they're seized with terror. I cannot emphasize, when God shows up, You don't just like go, oh, happy, happy. (laughs) Like you hit the floor. Everywhere God shows up, people hit the floor. Face down over the awesomeness of God, over the terror. I use that word in a positive way. A holy terror of God's magnificence shows up and you can't stand in his presence. The cloud descends upon them and a voice calls out and says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. I put in parentheses, yield and obey. And when the voice faded, Jesus stood there alone. And the three disciples were silent. Thank God they didn't say anything else. And would tell no one what they had seen. Does the cloud remind you of anything? Does that cloud of glory remind you of anything? Diane pillar by day, pillar by night. But when Moses went up Mount Sinai to receive the uh, Ten Commandments, do we have that? Uh, uh, I think I have a quote from Exodus. Do we have that? Keep going. Oh, dear. All the photos again. That's all right. There. (laughs) Exodus 24. Moses goes up the mountain. He went up the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain, And the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And when the sons of Israel at the bottom of the mountain looked up, the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire. Now, the disciples saw Jesus and Elijah and Moses for a few moments, but can you imagine this last sentence and Moses entered into the cloud and was in it 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine? In the cloud of glory on Mount Sinai with God, 40 days and 40 nights, he came down the hill, and both the Old Testament and New Testament says his face was glowing, and he had to cover it with a veil, and the people couldn't even look on him because of the glory of God. You Guys, there's a whole realm you and I can live in. There's a whole realm if we have eyes to see, a realm of the supernatural, a realm of miracles, a realm of endless possibilities when we pray, a realm of worship that you get caught up into a heavenly place. There's a realm of the beauty and wonder and awesomeness of God that you and I can live in. God just says, I'm opening a door. Do you want to step through it? There's a whole otherworldly realm right here on earth, right here today. Right here, this very minute, you can go home and you can discover and find the glory of God in all kinds of places, like the face and that little guy in our last photo. There's this beauty of God's presence awaiting us. It is as far from religion as you can get. It is not religious. It is the very Shekinah presence of God. He is real He wants to meet your heart he wants your heart to be lit on fire for him Where you can enter into that place Where the worship comes out of you And the praise is real And you experience a joy In the midst of whatever circumstances you're in That are a joy that is beyond understanding I many here would like to have that joy this morning? huh? Okay, three final things I'd like to put up Uh, I'm going to challenge you in these things. I'm going to challenge you to pray more. Number one, and you'll see why. Number two, I want you to ask God to show you his glory. Ask God to turn the lights on in your heart, to reveal more and more of his wonder and beauty to you. Pray, God, show me your magnificence. Show me your glory. And then number three, worship God as he shows you more of himself. Send God a fragrant offering. was saying when I started how much I love to brag about God when I preach I love to be able to say to you there's more of Jesus, there's more of God there's more of his glory, there's more for you, if you're feeling Christianity is boring or your walk with God is tedious, you're missing so much like there's a whole door of opportunity for every one of us including me to walk through and find wonder of God now, after a, a passage like we've just read, I feel like worshiping God. When I talk about God's glory and and share with you what I see in the scripture, I feel like singing. I feel like expressing my heart, my love, and praise to God more than I ever have before. And I pray for a revelation of God, revelation of Christ Jesus to every single one of you. Let's so all stand. I'm going to have one last closing prayer. I realize the transfiguration was a transfiguration on a human level into a glorified level, but how many here would like to experience a transfiguration just in yourself today, just in your circumstances and in who you are and in your soul and spirit? So I'm going to encourage those of you who would like to encounter God in a fresh and new way, just to hold your hands up, just right in front of you like this, because it, it signifies to God You're wide open for what he wants to do. And God, for every one of us here at Little Church by the Sea this morning, I pray, God, that you would come with your presence and your power and your glory. And I pray that you would transform us and you would change us and you would help us, God, get unstuck and to quit walking around the mountain 40 times, God, and to connect with you, God, on a new level, a level, God, in which your presence is very real and viable and tangible. In our lives And God I pray your glory would come for all of us And would come for this church And God we would be flabbergasted By the wonder That we experience As we walk with you So Lord in Jesus name I bless everyone Here this morning May they walk home today God may they go home today Knowing you in just a little better way I pray in Jesus name Amen